book of the Bible, um, and um, we're calling this Rescued and Kept, um, and we, we see that. We see God's uh, work of rescue and keeping His people, His covenant people, Israel. Um, and so before we read this, it's a, it's a big text. Um, you know, when we do a big study like this, um, you know, it would take us probably, you know, 20 years if I just took one or two verses at a time. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, some of us, you know, we, 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 want, we want a faster pace. So we're taking a big chunk here, but it, um, you know, we won't be here for hours, I promise. Um, I promise. Uh, I'm looking at you. Uh, and so uh, it, it'll, be, it'll be, you know, it'll be sufficient. Um, so uh, we're looking at 5 through 6, 8. And um, before we read God's Word together, let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this, this story. Uh, it's a story that's true. It's our story. Um, we pray that we would um, not just read it and go, oh, look, we, here's another Bible event, a Bible history, but we would recognize that we are Israel too. We are your people. Um, you've expanded your covenant promise to extend to Gentiles like us. Um, we experience you and experience hardship and trial just like these people do, did. Um, and we need you in that. And Lord, so help us to see, see the, to see, um, the struggle, to see, um, the burden uh, of being in this world um, and, and to see you ultimately for who you really are. Um, Lord, um, give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear by your um, heavenly work, Holy Spirit, and um, bless us in the reading and preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their burdens. The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks, as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry, Let us go offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on on the men that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. So the taskmasters and foremen of the people went out and said to the people, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go and get your straw yourselves whenever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced in the least. 
So the people were scattered throughout the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The taskmasters were urgent, saying, Complete your work, your daily task, each day as when there was straw. And the foremen by the people, foremen of the people of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not done all your task of making bricks today and yesterday as in the past? Then the foremen of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, Why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, and yet they say to us, Make bricks. And behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. But he said, You are idle. You are idle. That is why you say, Let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Go now and work. No straw will be given you, but you must still deliver the same number of bricks. The foremen of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, You shall by no means reduce the number of bricks, your daily, uh, your daily task each day. They met Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh. And they said to them, The Lord look on you and judge because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in, the hand, in their hand to kill us. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. But the Lord, Yahweh, said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, Yahweh, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves. I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with the great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people. I will be your God and you shall know that I am Yahweh, your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for possession. I am the Lord. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God... Um, grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall endure forever. Um... Camille is uh, out of town at a family wedding. Her first cousin's getting married in Nashville. And um, so I was doing laundry. I, I don't, I mean, it's not just when she leaves, but it needed to be done in haste. And so I was doing it. And um, it, it made me think just how, you know, how much I'm loved by my wife and how much our kids are loved by my wife. She does those things more than I do. I do other things. 
And, um, but also, I was reminded of a joke as I was making piles of clean clothes on the couch um, that um, there's a joke that this guy said. He says, you know, um, my wife gets on to me all the time. I, I, um, she accuses me of being blind. And I was, you know, and, uh, you know, she, and I've realized that I think she's right. I'm not colorblind. I'm clutterblind. And, uh, and clutterblind. And, you know, so she will do, so I'll, she'll, I'll put laundry out and you just kind of move it over and sit down. And did you not see that laundry there? You could have been folding it. It's like, oh, I just didn't, I didn't see it. How did you not see it? You moved it, you know, or, and he said, uh, you know, you'll, you know, she, she'll put folded clothes on the stairs for me to take up and I'll step over it. And she goes, you just stepped over the laundry. He said, I didn't see it. And he said, I'm clutterblind. I can't help it. And, uh, and, you know, it's, it's pretty funny, but it, it got me thinking this, this text is about seeing, and, uh, and seeing what's, what's real. And, and we're just so often we, we, we miss things right in front of us. You know? Like us, us husbands sometimes. Um, you know, we, we can, things will be right there in front of us. And uh, we, we, can't, we can't find it. We don't see it clearly. Um, another reason I got this phone thing. I have my wallet and phone in one. Because I would always lose one or the other or forget one. And it's usually where, right out where I could see it. You know, I'm looking all over and it's just... Right in the open, not under anything. But now I just have to remember one item. Uh, it's all together, wallet and phone. I know this makes me look young and hip. It doesn't, but it's very um, effective. But I, I would lose, I mean, I can't, I can't find, you know, I just miss things. But this passage is really about seeing. And you, and you get it, you see it in um, chapter 6, verse 1. Now you shall see. But before we get to the seeing what God is about, seeing who He is, we're going to see some other things. Things that need to be clarified. Things that God wanted to show His people before He showed up and let them see Him. So here's the three things I want you to, we're going to see. We see more clearly in this text the burden of living under Pharaoh's rule. We see it. We see more clearly in this text... The, the weak faith of Israel. And then thirdly, finally, we see the faithful sufficiency of God. So those are three things we see clearly um, from this text. Um, for 400 years, the people of Israel have lived as slaves. And uh, we, we don't know exactly when the first Pharaoh forgot about Joseph, the, the, the Israelite that helped preserve and keep and maintain the nation of, of uh, Egypt and, and the line of Pharaoh. We don't know exactly, but for probably hundreds of years, they've lived as a people in subjugation. They've made, they've made bricks. They've labored, you know, taken from, the, the, from being shepherds, which was their natural, their calling as they came into Egypt and lived in the land of Goshen. Now they're being forced into labor and making these building projects for Pharaoh. And, and, and you would think, you know, we've read the book, we've, we've read, followed the story. Moses becomes convinced of not only... Well, the previous chapter of God's word and his power to deliver, but that he's doing it because he's promised to do it. And, and that there's something 
wonderful about being a child of promise. That Pharaoh's not going to believe, but the people of God believe the word of God and the signs of God, of his power. And Moses goes and, and, and lays down the law and tells Pharaoh what's going to happen. Now, he knows that Pharaoh's heart's going to be hardened. God told him that in chapter 4. But what happens next surprises everyone. But here's the thing. We're reading it and we're going, why are they surprised? You know, what did they expect his hardened heart to look like? And sometimes we, we look back at, because we know the story, we, we know the end of Exodus. We go, well, what did you expect? He's Pharaoh. But you, think about it. You live maybe generations... You clock in, you clock out, you go, you make the bricks, you get your straw, you do your thing, and that just becomes normal. That slavery became a normal, day-to-day, generational reality for the people of Egypt. And no, they didn't like it. And no, if they could have it be different, you know, the people that aspired to such a thing, of to imagining a, a world where they weren't slaves and they didn't live in Egypt, they wanted it, but they couldn't see a way out. And you just kind of what? When, you, when there's a situation that you can't undo and you can't change, you just become complacent. Like, this is just how life is. And so, you know, Moses shows up and says, God's going to deliver you. God's going to set you free. God's your slaves and he's going he's to take you out of here and give you the promise. That, that sounds great. But first, God wanted his people to see just how awful, how burdensome their slavery was. Just how... What is it like to live under the rule of this false god, Pharaoh? If, they, if any of his people had become complacent and just thought, okay, this is it, this is life, I can, I can do this, this is okay. He's like, no, I want you to have full clarity of just how bad your predicament is. And so God's word comes to bear and Pharaoh goes, I don't know your God. I've never heard of him. I'm the deity here. <laughs> and you're going to come telling me, thus saith Yahweh. Well, you know what he does? He goes, thus say, the next thing, thus saith Pharaoh. You've got too much time on your hands. Now, who's ever made bricks? Anybody? I was hoping somebody had. No, anyway. Uh, but you have to have a binding element, you know? I remember when I was a kid, it was like, and then they, had, then they made those bricks without straw. There's no way to make the bricks without the straw. And that would be hard. It'd be futile. You know, Pharaoh wouldn't want to live in a house with those kind of bricks. Think about it. He's, it wasn't that they made bricks without straw. Like they, just, they had to go find the straw. It doubled their work. You have to have the straw. So instead of just showing up and here's your, here's your straw, we got to go find the straw and show up on time. And anybody's ever had a job like that where it's just like they keep taking things away from you? I've heard some of you tell me about jobs like that. They keep expecting me to do the same thing, keep doubling my work, and the pay's the same. I double the work and they give me less resources. Great. Um, this is even worse than that, than your worst day at work, okay? Um, and, and they were forced to feel... In a new and intense way, the horrible, burdensome rule of Pharaoh. 
they could now see it. If anyone, anyone in Israel, any of God's people were just kind of like, this is how life is, we can do it, you know. We, got, we, got, we can go get food at the market, we can live here, we can make it, we've done this for years, don't worry about it. This, you know, there are people that have a lot worse than us. He goes, no, I want you to see just how awful this false god Pharaoh is. And, and, and to see your slavery clearly. Even now, part of becoming, you know, embracing the God of the Scripture for us on this side of uh, this side of the cross is what we first have to see how bad our situation is, and that's why when we're preaching the gospel, we preach the bad news first. You, you know, God came to save you. Save me from what? Well, the Bible says you're a slave to sin. I'm doing exactly what I want. And oftentimes, if, you, if you're a Christian in the room, you realize that at some point, you came to see the futility and ugliness and fruitlessness of your life apart from God. That those idols of your life, the false gods you set up, only destroy and, and take and never give back. You've got to see that. And again, you have to have the Holy Spirit in order to see it. To begin to see, you know, a lot of times before you even realize that Jesus is the answer, you see that everything else, the world you're living in, that the, the things the world offers and the things your heart, the heart, the desires of your heart, they do not satisfy. And, and just like he does now, God, even then, he's going, I want you to see how... I want you to see your slavery for what it is. I want you to feel your burdens for what it is. I want you to know the rule of this false God and see me in contrast. They see it. They feel it. This is awful. This is horrible. There's no way out. Even the foremen, even the sellouts who work for the Egyptian taskmasters are going, what can we do? They're realizing that he says, you know, we're not to blame when he says, it's your people. This is really kind of saying, it's your fault, Pharaoh. They're trying not to say it. You can't, they don't want to die. You know? But really what I'm pretty sure is implied there is that this is your, your doing. We can't do what you're asking us. We can't deliver. And at some point, if you're working for your, for your job, if that's what you're, you know, if it's, if it's uh, perfect kids, perfect job, certain amount of money, a 401k, if, you, if that's what you're working for, that's your idol, it, you, can't, you can't satisfy it. You can't attain it. You can't, you can't live up to it. It's just going to take. It's just going to hurt you if that's where you're seeking your comfort. And even the, even the foremen who had it pretty good are like, Pharaoh's lost it. He he is asking what we cannot give. And we are going to die. We see the burden of living under the rule of a false god, of false gods, of idols. We see it. They see it. And that's, that's for you and me too. That's the application for us. Before we can see Jesus, we have to see the burden of... The slavery of our life, the, 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 the helpless, hopeless condition we're in. That we have gods we cannot satisfy. We have, we have desires of our heart we cannot satisfy. And we are slaves to sin, hopeless, apart from God. 
They feel their burden, but what? They don't really see what? Who's burdening them, do they? They feel it. They, they're clear. We're, this is not good. But then what do they do? We, this is our second point. We see the doubt and the weak faith of Israel. You know, just, just a few, just the chapter before, the people believed, this is 31, the people believed and when they heard that Yahweh, that's the covenant in God's name, He's revealed to, to Moses the burning bush, in all caps, Lord, that's translating Jehovah or Yahweh, where Yahweh had visited the people of Israel and that He had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and they worshipped. God is real, God is a covenant-keeping God, He's showing up, and then... Moses and Aaron are going, they're waving them, hey, go, great, all right, we're going to be out of here. And then it just gets worse. And instead of that, you know, where they were at the very beginning, oh, God's got us, he's, he's visited us, He knows. Then they're saying what? What have you done? Moses and Aaron, what have you done to us? Why would you do this to us? All you've done is give him a sword to kill us with. You see what he says? That's what the foreman, kind of representing everyone else. All you've done is put a sword in his hand. We're goners now. And then Moses and Aaron go, no, 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 no. You got it all right. No, they don't, do they? They go, Moses turns to Yahweh and goes, what is this evil you have brought upon your people? Then he says, Pharaoh's doing evil because ultimately, who does he hold responsible? God, you've brought this evil upon us. Why would you do that? This is the opposite of what you said you're going to do. You ever felt that way? I thought I was about to lay into those Israelites, those bad Israelites and their weak faith, that they would dare doubt. But the truth of the matter is, we all struggle with that, don't we? Especially when we face affliction. Especially when we feel the burden of living in a fallen world. Of being a Christian, being someone who follows the true God in this broken world. We feel it. But at the same time, we're surprised by it. You know, I really, and I've said this before, but I think one of the biggest lies that I have believed most of my life, even as a Christian, was that if I'm doing rightly, life should be easier. Some of you are laughing. <laughs> like, no. But it, it kind of makes sense, right? You know, if you follow the directions, if you follow the recipe, the cake looks right, doesn't it? It doesn't fall flat. If you follow the directions, the shelf doesn't fall over when you try to put books on it. You, know, you, you follow the directions, you try to do it right, it's going to work out. But God says what? Jesus told His people what? The world hates me, they're going to hate you. That, that in Romans 7, it talks about the internal conflict, not just the outward conflict, but the internal conflict of our hearts. If you're a Christian, you're going to be warring within yourself. There's going to be opposition outwardly. There's going to be opposition inwardly. That really you come into a good fight of faith. That's what we see. It's a fight. It's a struggle. And, and But so many times we go, God, what are you doing? Where are you? And again, 
the call to worship shows us it's okay to do that. It's okay to be weak and not understand and go, God, I, I don't see it. Help me. Deliver me. Give me patience. Sustain me. I am overwhelmed. My problems are more numerous than the hairs on my head. Or some of, for some of you, on the hairs on other people's heads. That's okay. Um, I, I cannot see my way out. I cannot see my way through. It feels like you are not God and you are not Yahweh right now. But I know you are. And he's bringing, again, when the people cry out and go, what are you doing to us? We believed, you said you're going to deliver us, and now it's just gotten worse. And Moses goes, what are you doing to these people? You said you're going to send me, and it's going to be okay. They forgot the part about God saying, I'm going to harden his heart. They forgot the part about saying, this is going to get harder. The burden is going to become greater before the deliverance. And so we see them doubt. We see them show their weak faith. But note here, God doesn't rebuke, does He? God doesn't come down on them. God doesn't go, well, fine then, we're done. I'm going to go over here and find some Moabites to save. He didn't do that. He does eventually, right? But he's still faithful to his people. And that's the last thing I want you to see. The third point is we see because of the, the increased burden, because of this insufficiency of Israel and of Moses and Aaron, we see more clearly in contrast the faithful sufficiency of our God. And we, here's the thing, we wouldn't see it as clearly if not for the struggle and the burden. You know, you ever turn your TV on and mess around with the, the brightness and the color? You ever do that? You ever get annoyed when one of your kids does it? I don't know, maybe that's the question. Like, who messed with this? Anyway, but... You know, if you, you can turn, you can mess with the contrast, and you can do it like it's so dark or light that you really can't see the image. But you turn that contrast up, it becomes clearer each distinct image on the screen. And the contrast of light the con- for the Israelites, for you and me, when we there's a question we asked in the faith conversations as one of our Sunday small groups. I said, you know, when do you feel and see? The, the loving care and sufficiency of God more. It's when you're struggling. It's when you're in the depths. When God sees you through a hard time and He goes, I'm setting you up so that now you will... Look what does He say? He says um, in verse 1, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. Now you will see how I will redeem you. Now you will see how I will deliver you. I'm going to increase, turn the heat up, turn it to 11. Spinal tap reference. Anyway, turn it all the way to 11, and then I'm going to show up, and I am going to do exactly what I said. And then he starts talking about his names. He starts talking about his names. He starts going back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
He says, to them I revealed myself as, it says, God Almighty. That's actually translated, a translation of not um, Elohim, but El Shaddai. And the first time he reveals himself as El Shaddai is in Genesis 17. Is when he gives the covenant of circumcision. And, and he goes, but now I've revealed myself as what? As Yahweh, the great I am. What does El Shaddai mean? Well, it's, one, it's, it's a hard one. It's either two ways to think about it. The God of blessing or the God of all sufficiency. And think about it. Think about it. Abraham, you're 100 years old and I'm going to give you a child. I'm El Shaddai. I'm all sufficient. Now, when we think about sufficient, we don't really, that's not a good word, right? How was your stay? It was sufficient. It's like a two and a half star, maybe, you know? It was sufficient. How was the meal? Sufficient. Tell your mom of that, she'd be mad. It was sufficient. It filled me up. It was a food product. Thank you. Um, but, no, sufficient. Like, it, it filled, it, it was... It was full. It was all the way. That's what it means. Not just it was all. Okay. It, it's all that was needed. It, was, it met the need in its fullness, in its completeness. And think about your, your needy, your neediness. Think about that. Think about your desires and neediness. When have you ever been fully satisfied? And the, the Bible tells us that we can't be fully satisfied or fully uh, loved by anything in this world. Nothing will satisfy. All these other gods, we, all these other idols, they, they leave it, they fall short. God is sufficient. All sufficient. I'm the all sufficient God who is also always faithful, who never changes. Again, I. I uh, Yahweh, I am that I am. He is eternal and unchangeable in all His wisdom, being, power, goodness, and truth. And that is who He is. And so He is always sufficient. And I have promised to be sufficient for you to the end. And now you will see just how faithful and sufficient I am for you in your darkest hour, in your most dire need. Moses is like, you just brought evil for us, on us for no reason. Why would you do this? What could possibly be the good of this suffering and this struggle? But we see that God, that's a primary means of God sanctifying His people. is showing us in the hardship, in the valley of the shadow of death, in when we feel our slavery, we feel the burden of sin, we feel the brokenness of the world, He meets us there and says, I am enough. And he goes, you shall see. You shall see that I'm the covenant-keeping God. You shall see that I am faithful to the uttermost. That's what Jesus says, doesn't he? In John 13, he says, I love you. I will love you to the end or to the uttermost. Again, sufficient. And only the Alpha and the Omega, the infinite God of the universe, can be sufficient for you and for me. And he is that. And he, just like we talked last week, because of his promise, that sufficiency, that, that love, that grace is to you. And we see it fully and completely in Christ. He came as what? The all-sufficient atoning sacrifice. 
Old Testament believers. We're gonna, he's going to set up this system of, of, of sacrifices. We're going to talk about that as we get into Exodus. But those, that blood of the lamb and the goat and the bull, that didn't do anything. That wasn't sufficient. Christ is the all-sufficient atoning sacrifice. God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit is the all-sufficient God who loves you and keeps you to the very end. You, right now, Maybe going through something right now. You might have prayed the prayer of Psalm 40 this morning or last night and gone, I cannot. I have never felt so low. I've never felt so tired. I've never felt so sinful. And you might go, God, why would you do this to me? Why would you want me to struggle like this? And I want to maintain. I don't, I'm not saying I know all God's purposes or know exactly what He's doing in your life. I don't, but I do know this, and we know it from Scripture. He is sovereign, and He brings us into those situations, brings us in times of suffering, and we feel burdened so that we will see the false gods in our lives. We will see how they don't, they will not sustain us and help us. That we will turn away from them, seeing the, the direness of our situation, and go, God, help me, so that He can show up and be the all-sufficient, faithful God who loves you, who will never stop loving you, and will love you to the uttermost. He is El Shaddai. He is Yahweh. Jesus Christ, our Lord and our King. He will deliver Israel as we shall see, through great acts of judgments against these false gods. And He, the same God, has ultimately delivered His people, not just Israel, but all of His people, through Jesus Christ, our all-sufficient, atoning sacrifice and Savior. Let's pray. Lord God, help us to see, as You taught Israel to see, help us to see that you're not just punishing us or hurting us if we're going through something hard, if we're going through struggles at work or unemployment or struggles in our marriage or struggles with our kids, health issues. Lord, you, you are the sovereign God. You rule over all things. And, and we, like Israel, cry out, why have you brought this evil upon us? But Lord, we pray that you would ultimately help us to see See your all sufficiency, your faithfulness in these hard times. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you entered into this broken world. You experienced the futility, you experienced the hardships, you experienced trials and tribulations that we will we will never know. And then you you faced the ultimate cutting off. You were cut off from your father. You were so came to judgment, not just death, but the judgment for sin. Um, you, you bore the ultimate burden so we wouldn't have to. And you, you bring us safely home to you. We give you thanks. I pray now that this meal that we're about to partake would just drive that home for us, that you are El Shaddai, all-sufficient God, and Yahweh, our covenant-keeping God. And you, Lord Jesus, you, 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 you reveal yourself in your fullness in both those ways. Lord, help us to, rem- to see that your 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 ultimate act of redemption, ultimate act of deliverance, and your cross and your resurrection are for us. And um, Lord, when we feel, we feel weak, we feel low, we feel overwhelmed, that we would look to you, 
Um, so, Lord, drive this home and drive this your word home in our hearts by your Spirit and this uh, sacrament in which we partake. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. said to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, I will deliver you from slavery, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. Um, I will take you to be my people, I will be your God, and you shall know that I am Yahweh your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Um, we still struggle to see that, and God knows that we struggle in that. Um, so he gives us sacraments. He gives us sacraments of baptism, Lord's Supper, so to help us see, help us remember, to experience and know that these things are for us. So the, the supper is to be something we do together as God's people, corporately take up a meal and to be able to see and taste and touch and know that what Christ did over 2,000 years ago was for us, 
that He is the uh, sufficient Redeemer, Deliverer. Um, he is the one who um, has brought us to be into His people and grafted us into, uh, into Himself. And He will be our God. And He has brought you out from the burden of sin and He will bring you all the way home. That's what He has promised. And we know because of the cross that He will. So if you're a Christian, if you're a brother and sister in Christ, if you trust in Him, you know that, um, please, um, even, a, even a doubting Christian, even one who, like Israel, is, prays the prayer of the Psalms, Psalm 40, and, 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 and confesses that, I don't understand, and I, I struggle with God's will. Even if you're someone who doubts, that's still faithful when you go to God and express that. If you're weak and you're struggling, yet and even struggling to know that He is sufficient. Come and, and take. Come and partake of this meal. And, and the prayer and the hope is that through the Spirit, He will uh, drive the Word home through the, through the preaching of the Word, through the sacrament, and you will leave edified and assured that God is sufficient and for you. So, if you're not a Christian, if you're, if you're not sure where you are in your relationship with Him, don't partake. Take time to pray and to think of these things. Um, it may sound too good to be true, but uh, and it is. It does sound too good to be true, but it is true. God has spoken it. He is faithful to us, even in our faithlessness. He is sufficient in our insufficiency, and, and He meets us in our need. Um, take time to consider that. But brothers and sisters in Christ, come and, and take the supper and be encouraged in Christ.
On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples. As I am ministering in his name, give this bread to you. And he said, take and eat. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take and eat, all of you. In the same manner, he took the cup, and after giving thanks, he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, poured out for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Drink from it, all of you. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray that we would, through our worship this morning, through singing and praying to you, through reading scripture and hearing the word preached and taking of the sacrament, that we would see you more clearly today. Lord, meet us in our struggle. Help us to turn to you as we see our burdens clearly, as we feel overwhelmed by them, and we look to you as we face opposition from the world and our own sinful hearts and Satan himself and and his servants. Lord, help us to know that, yes, the world will hate us because it hates you, but you have overcome the world. So, Lord, help us to see you more clearly and look to you and find real rest and comfort from the burdens. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing our final hymn, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing.